Outbreaks of measles across the globe have once again set off the great debate over vaccination. Since 2014, hundreds of thousands of cases of measles have appeared across the planet. And the World Health Organization recently called for increased vaccination campaigns. In the U.S., measles outbreaks have become more frequent, leading to calls for mandatory vaccination. The development of vaccines and extensive childhood vaccination campaigns are among the most important public health achievements of the past 200 years. They have saved millions upon millions of lives each year, and in some cases, eradicated dangerous diseases, not only locally, but globally. The Earth was declared smallpox-free in 1980. In 2000, the United States asserted itself rid of measles. Despite these successes, the anti-vaccination movement has been gaining traction in recent years, spurred on by religious opposition to vaccines and by the concerns raised by now-discredited studies that linked vaccines and autism. And as vaccination rates decline, the spread of these previously controlled diseases is on the rise. As we discuss and debate, Origins offers the top 10 things you should know about vaccines and vaccination efforts. Number one, life before vaccines, nasty, brutish, and short. Throughout most of history, human populations have lived in an unvaccinated state. They have been extremely vulnerable to endemic and epidemic infectious disease, especially if they had no previous exposure to a particular disease. This was most spectacularly seen with smallpox in the Americas in the early modern period. Spanish invaders, themselves possessing acquired immunity to smallpox, introduced the disease to indigenous populations with devastating results. By 1568, the Central American population had fallen to around 3 million, which was around one-tenth of its original population. Before the 19th century, the most efficacious way of dealing with epidemic disease was quarantine. The European landscape was littered with pest houses and lazarettos. Life expectancy was correspondingly low. Global life expectancy was between 25 and 30 years as recently as 1800, and fewer than 5% of most populations survived until 65. People rarely lived to be old. Number two, variolation and the scourge of smallpox. The origins of vaccination lie in the practice of variolation, which was used to protect against smallpox, a disease that killed annually an estimated 400,000 people in Europe alone in the 18th century. Variolation involved transferring disease material from the pustules of an infected to an uninfected person. It was practiced in numerous parts of the world from the early modern period, in China, Africa, the Near East, and South Asia. It was introduced into Europe by Lady Montague, who observed the practice in the Ottoman Empire. Her son was inoculated in 1718, and her daughter Mary in 1721, the latter being the first person to be variolated in England. Variolation was brought to New England by Cotton Mather and Zabdiel Boylston in 1721. Following the development of the newer practice of vaccination, variolation declined and was ultimately banned. The British, for example, banned it in 1842, and the practice of variolation was eliminated 
along with the smallpox virus itself, in 1980. Number three, what we owe to the cows. The term vaccination comes from the variolae vaccinae, or smallpox of the cow, otherwise known as cowpox. The close relationship between smallpox and cowpox was common lore in the 18th century. We have accounts of individuals inoculating their children with cowpox pus. For example, Peter Plett in Husselberg in 1791. There's also evidence that the practice was known in South Asia and in Persia. In 1796, Edward Jenner took cowpox material from the hand of the dairymaid Sarah Nelms and inoculated James Phipps, the eight-year-old son of Jenner's gardener. He then published his results in 1798, an inquiry into the causes and effects of the variolae vaccinae, a disease discovered in some of the western counties of England, particularly Gloucestershire, and known by the name of the cowpox. Jenner did not discover vaccination, but he publicized the technique and proved its effectiveness to doctors. Number four, Edward Jenner and the arm-to-arm -arm method. Jenner was, however, immediately faced with a basic problem. Cowpox was a seasonal disease, common only in the spring, and it was hard to maintain a constant supply of cowpox matter. Hence, Jenner developed the so-called arm-to-arm method. After vaccination, pustules would erupt on the arm. This pustular material could then be used as a reservoir for another vaccination. It could be extracted from the arm and rubbed into the skin of another patient, following mild laceration with a lancet or a needle. Jenner could thus maintain a permanent supply of vaccine. The technique spread rapidly. Hanover became the first continental European vaccine center in 1800. Vaccination spread to the United States, also in 1800, to Russia in 1801, and Japan in 1824. Some states made vaccination of all children compulsory. For example, Bavaria in 1807, Denmark in 1810, and Sweden in 1814. The arm-to-arm -arm method, however, disappeared with the rise of animal vaccines in the 1860s. Number five, from cows to test tubes, producing vaccines in the lab. Later in the 19th century, scientists began to manipulate pathogens with the aim of reducing their virulence, thereby producing safer and more effective vaccines. This process is particularly associated with Louis Pasteur, who created the first laboratory-produced vaccine in 1879 for chicken cholera. Although the vaccine was rather ineffective, it heralded a new age of disease control. Jean-Joseph-Henri Toussaint produced an anthrax vaccine in 1880, an invention for which Pasteur later claimed credit. Neither vaccine, however, was used on humans. This changed when Pasteur developed a rabies vaccine after long experiments with attenuation. His vaccination of Joseph Meister in 1885, using material harvested from the spinal cord of rabbits, demonstrated that it was possible to cultivate vaccines to protect against human diseases. Number six, from hot irons to vaccines, treating diphtheria. 
Diphtheria was a major killer of children, and treatments were often desperate. Sometimes, physicians tried to burn away the disease's characteristic throat pseudomembrane with silver nitrates or even hot irons. Following the discovery of the diphtheria bacterium in 1883, the microbial activity causing the disease was understood. Emile Roux and Alexandre Yersin identified the toxin produced by the bacterium in 1889. And in 1890, Shibasaburo Kitasato and Emile von Behring successfully inoculated guinea pigs with an attenuated, heat-treated diphtheria toxin. Human antitoxins were then successfully utilized and contributed to the dramatic fall in the disease's incidence by World War I. After the war, a totally inactivated antitoxin was developed by Gaston Ramon and Alexander Glenny. The combined diphtheria, pertussis, and tetanus shot, DPT, dates from 1948. Today, diphtheria has been practically eliminated from the United States and many other parts of the world. Number seven, paralyzed or worse, polio. Until the early 20th century, poliomyelitis was an endemic infantile disease, and it became increasingly common as living standards rose. In 1916, a polio epidemic killed 6,000 Americans and left thousands more paralyzed. American President Franklin Delano Roosevelt was stricken with polio as an adult and spent the rest of his life wearing painful leg braces. In 1929, the iron lung was developed to help sufferers breathe. The first functional vaccines, a killed vaccine pioneered by Maurice Brody and an attenuated vaccine invented by John Colmer, were developed in the 1930s. Six of those given the attenuated virus died, and tests were immediately suspended. In the 1950s, however, Jonas Salk's inactivated vaccine proved successful in trials. It was licensed in the U.S. in 1955. Albert Sabine, meanwhile, a Russian-born American scientist, pioneered a successful oral vaccine using an attenuated virus, which was successfully administered to millions of Soviet children in 1959. Sabine's vaccine was then widely used in the global polio eradication campaign. Number eight, false starts, vaccines that haven't worked. Many diseases have, unfortunately, proved refractory to vaccination. In the mid-19th century, for example, Joseph Alexandre Ozias Turenne undertook several experimental syphilizations of patients. His work was furthered by an Italian, Sperino, and a Norwegian, Beck. Although some success was claimed, a functional syphilis vaccine has never been developed. Jimmy Ferran's 1885 cholera vaccine was the first to be used against a human bacterial disease. However, cholera vaccines have never been enormously effective and only confer immunity for a short period. The development of an HIV vaccine is extremely difficult due to the complexities and idiosyncrasies of the retrovirus. Finally, some vaccines have been doomed from the start. The German physiologist Wilhelm Weichart for example, attempted to develop a fatigue vaccine in the early 20th century and sprayed an entire school classroom 
with anti-kinotoxin solution in 1909. Alas, the fatigue vaccine did not prove a long-term success. Number nine, vaccination has generated a backlash from the beginning. Variolation in vaccination immediately attracted controversy and opposition. In 1722, an English reverend, Edmund Massey, called variolation, quote, a diabolical operation which banished providence out of the world, end quote. A 1723 Paris thesis claimed that the technique could be used to kill children. In mid-19th century Britain, vaccination officers symbolized the power of medical elites and the state. Anti-vaccinators declared the practice a great violation of the bodily freedoms of the individual. And vaccination seemed singularly counterintuitive. Some parents expressed concern that following vaccination, their children might, quote, low and browse in the fields like oxen, end quote. Others worried that the passage of infected material from body to body would spread disease or even transgress racial boundaries, leading to changes in skin color. In 1885, an effigy of Jenner was hanged and decapitated in Leicester, England, while vaccination officers were pelted with eggs or rotten fruit. An 1898 conscience clause allowed British parents to opt out of vaccination. In the United States, where vaccinations began as initiatives from individual states, most states permitted exemptions for religious reasons, and they still do. Muslims in several countries have recently denounced vaccination campaigns as Western and anti-Muslim. In 2014, public health workers in Pakistan, working to immunize people from polio, were murdered by anti-vaccination crusaders. Not coincidentally, Pakistan is now regarded as the global hotspot for new polio cases. Number 10. Less nasty, less brutish, much longer. Life after vaccines. The overall global effects of vaccination are impossible to overstate. Seven diseases have been brought under significant control through the use of vaccines. Smallpox, diphtheria, tetanus, yellow fever, whooping cough, polio, and measles. Of these, smallpox has been completely eradicated, saving an estimated 5 million people annually. And polio is currently close to eradication. There were only 416 cases in 2013. According to the World Health Organization, the measles vaccine saves around 1 million lives annually, along with clean water supplies, improved nutrition, and extensive public health and medical infrastructure. Vaccination has been responsible for dramatic declines in deaths from certain infectious diseases. Vaccination is thus a central factor in the epidemiologic transition to an age where non-infectious diseases like cancer, heart disease, and diabetes are the major killers. By 2014, global average life expectancy had risen to 73 for girls and 67 for boys. <laughs>